Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the Word. Enjoy today's message. It's been a strange week, I'll tell you that. Ever have one of those weeks where... uh, my heart recently, I've been spending a lot of time praying, Lord, I just want to, uh, I want to value people the way you value people. It's just, this was something I've been praying the last, I don't know, a couple of months. I want to see people the way you see people. I, w- I want to value people the way you value people, right? And have, have you seen that commercial? I don't see a lot of commercials. We do get a few on, on Hulu. We do some commercials on there. Have you seen that commercial where there's the people... It's a, I think it's an anxiety or depression commercial. It's probably really sad. But they have this mask on a stick that they hold in front of their face that's all smiley and happy. And then they pull it away and they're all, right? Have you seen that commercial? The last couple days as I've been going just about life, I, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it drives me to just pray a whole lot. But... Everywhere I go, that's all I see. I see people trying to put on a facade of everything is good, everything is right, everything is, is fantastic. And it's like the Lord is just saying, hey, we're going to put this mask down. There is a really hurting person there. And it's like you have this, this, this tightness in your chest of, I can't leave this person this way. I can't, I can't walk away from this. I, I know I'm jumping into really deep end right off the bat. We're just going to go for it tonight. Amen? Amen. It's, it's, it's opening your eyes to see people the way God sees them to a point to where you can't walk away. You're like, this person is, is hurting, Right? How many know moms are built with this, right? I don't know a mom out there that doesn't see a lost child wandering through the mall that wants to go over and say, let's help you find your mom, right? Or what mom out there, right? It's, it's like built into kids too. A kid falls, scrapes his knee, instantly looks up, where's mom? Can't find mom, gonna find a mom, and that's where I'm going, right? Because there's this comfort, there's this, this love, this reception that comes from that mother figure, Right? And it's that same look that when that mask is pulled away, you see this look of, I'm looking for comfort. I'm looking for someone that will love me. I'm looking for someone that will say, yeah, you know what, there's some pain. Let's put some salve on that and let's just, let's just love on you. Right? How many have had those moments with your kids? When they come in from outside, you know they were doing the very thing you told them not to do right? They've got the scratch on their knee to prove they did what you told them not to do. But in that moment, they don't need to be chastised. They don't need to be browbeaten. They don't need the lesson. They need love. They need love. And the Lord has just really opened my eyes in this last few days to see people in a whole new light. Because I realized a, a couple months ago, I had, a, had, you remember there's those self-realizations of, I go to work, I see a lot of the same people at work, right? A lot of us have an entire mission field, either school or work, right? The primary places we're spending all of our time. And I see that person who I realized I've closed my heart off to. I have been either hurt by them or been judged by them or something happened and I have closed it off. I have prevented. See, here's the thing. It's not prevented. We, we think we're doing this to prevent them from hurting us. But what we're really doing is preventing the love of Christ to get to them. Right? I had someone ask me a question this week. We, we were in, or this, I was within the last couple weeks. I don't remember specifically when. But they were talking about lifestyles and jobs. And, you know, my kids are at that age. It's something that's, you know, on dad's prayer list a lot. You know, they're going to be seniors next year. <laughs> seniors next year. We moved here, and they were this tall, Pastor. I kid you not. 
And there was only two of them. Now there's four, and they're taller than I am. And, and then there's girls hanging around the house. I don't know why. I don't know. They're tolerable, I suppose. Just kidding. We like them. But just like that, God says, I've got a plan and a purpose for their life. Right? You know, when pastor looks at you and says, you have 18 years to teach them how to have a relationship with God like you do, and they're at year two, you think, man, I'm just, we're just going to do this. It's going to be great. And now they're going to coming up on year 17, and you're like, ah, I got a year left. What am I going to do? I got so much stuff. Where's time gone? I was so distracted, right? And someone asked me recently about how, you know, going into the ministry and how I chose things. And I said, you know, I said, 16 years old at a church in Fairbury with, with Pastor Mike McGinnis was, was we, were playing, we, we were playing on the worship team. I was a drummer, not a very good one at that age. But I remember Pastor Mike with his big oak guitar would stomp his feet to try to keep us in time. And I was just trying to be an 80s rock star because that's what I wanted to be on the drums. And uh, we were over there and we were playing. And I have no, I still to this day don't remember who the speaker was. But he started prophesying and he started talking about people going to ministry. And something dropped on the inside of me that I have, am still getting revelation on to this day. But it dropped on the inside of me, you're called. And it was one of those things that I could not shake. I couldn't walk away from it. I couldn't stop praying about it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And, and it, <laughs> I'm amazed at how God orchestrates things because at the time when going off to college, you went and saw Miss Asbury, the guidance counselor at the high school. I was at Blue Ridge High School in Farmer City, Illinois, and went and saw the public school teacher. And she says, what, do you, you know, what job profession? And I said, well, when I was 16, I really felt like I'm pressed. I'm supposed to go into the ministry. And she goes, okay, well, we're not sure what that means, but let's look into it. And she encouraged me. She encouraged me to pursue after it and, to, and to, what does it take to do that and what will it mean to go to college. And she was very encouraging and very helpful along those, along those lines. And so my brother had already been to Rama, and I thought, that's where I'm going. Everybody I know, Pastor Bob went to Rama. At the time, I didn't have much of a relationship with Pastor Doug. I knew who he was, but he was off doing all the wonderful things that you hear about on Sundays when he tells stories. But uh, I knew that Rama was where I was supposed to go, and I went off to Rama, still not quite fully understanding. There is this constant, constant urging and urgence that is just always in my life. It's always there. It always, it always weighs in on decisions, right? I chose to go to Bible school instead of secular college. And, and people these days are like, well, you didn't get the education to have the proper job. Well, let me tell you exactly what God does. See, now God told me to go to Bible school, and so I did. And I graduated from Bible school, and I ended up moving back home. So what do you do when you move back home? I started serving. Started serving at Victory. Well, I, I came to Living Word for a few months and then ended up down at Victory Christian Center in Farmer City where my brother was um, to, to serve in youth ministry because I just knew I wanted, to, I wanted to do something. I want to serve. I want to plug in. You, everyone, should be at that point. Everyone. Everyone should be at the point of just saying, I just want to plug in. I just want to do something. I want to put my hands to something. Not I want to lead something. Not, I want to pastor the church, but I want to do something, right? I want to do something. When, when the harvest is ripe and you live in an agricultural community, right, you want to do something. There's a pressure behind it. There's an urge, there's an urge uh, uh, just a driving force behind it of we need to get this done. That's what we're living under right now. That's what we're living under right now. But I came back and was, and was helping at Victory Christian Center in Farmer City with just this knowing on the inside I'm supposed to be in ministry. And I thought that at time meant I need to preach every service they will let me preach. Right? Because that's, you know, that's what you do. You need to learn. Right? And the pastor and my, the pastor Brad at the time and my brother was kind of like, you know, hey, well, let's just, you know, let's have you scrub some floors. You know, do you like painting? I know you laugh because you know that I've said this before. I don't like painting, right? But we have, you know, all of this stuff. But, you know, there were some, there were some things that they asked me to do that I enjoyed doing because they asked me, would you play, play drums on a worship team? Yes, I love playing drums, right? Because everybody loves an 80s worship band. I'm sorry, my drumming style is stuck in the 80s. I've got one speed, that's what it is. 
It's good. Solid 80s drummer. So there was parts of serving in ministry that, that I liked, right? But there were also parts of serving in ministry that I was like, I don't like painting, but I'm going to do it. You know how many times I've painted in ministry? More times than I want to count, which is more than one because I don't like painting. Anyway, but, but I knew that this is not going to go away. I have to do something. I have to do something. And I started seeing people differently. I started, I started realizing ministry things, you know. Then the Lord moved me out to California, you know, and I met beautiful, wonderful woman, and, 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 and much stuff happened after that. But never once in any transition of my life did I ever move anywhere or go to any location or any area for a job. Never. I can honestly say I have never relocated, moved, changed anything for secular employment. I have always pursued after what God called me to do and then put my hand to something while I was there. But I could tell you time and time and time again where God blessed me. I remember back when I started serving at Victory Christian Center and I knew I needed a job because they weren't going to hire me, you know. All I, all I wanted to do was preach, and I was learning that serving was where a real blessing was. And I, and I needed a job because, you know, my dad said, you can't just live at home for free. You know, dads do those kind of things, right? So I went out, and I tried several different jobs. And I, was, I, I drove a tow truck for Tatman's and Champagne, you know. <laughs> it's totally random. I don't know why. You know, drove a, a truck for flooring surfaces for a while before I realized I just... I was on the road all the time, and I wanted something a little bit closer, and so I started working at this place called um, Next Step Communications, selling cell phones. And I was, I was relocated down to the Decatur Mall. How many of you ever been to the Decatur Mall? It's about the same today as it was all the way back then, which is pretty much not much, not a whole lot there, right? But everywhere I've gone, I've always put the Lord first and pursued after what he's called me to do, and then he blesses everything else. I remember being at that mall, and we had, we, we, call, them, uh, we call them time wasters back then, um, but ever get those customers that come up, and they ask you every, we were in a kiosk in the middle of the mall, right? They'll ask you every question under the sun, and then buy nothing. And when you're working on commission, you're like, seriously, I just gave you 45 minutes of my time for zero money, right? They were time wasters. Well, apparently there'd been this lady that came up earlier in the day that was asking a bunch of questions, and one of the other salesmen that was there it was just a, another kid about my age. I, thought, I was like 19. I'd come home from Ramah, so I was at least 19, 20, somewhere around there. And uh, he was like, oh, man, this lady was here this morning, such a time waste. She asked a bunch of dumb questions. I did my best to get rid of her. And I, that was what, exactly what he said, and I thought, that's not how you treat people. I said, so I took it on as a challenge. I said, I will sell her a leather case if, I, if nothing else, because, you know, pagers were still in. When you bought a cell phone, you got a leather case and a car charger. Remember those days, right? And you hooked it on your belt, because that's where all the phones went. I remember making the transition from belt clip to phone in my pocket, and for a long time thought, this still feels weird. I need it clipped on my head. Never mind. I digress. But I started just, re I just started pouring myself into it, right? Because I took on the attitude as if I'm here, this is paying the way for me to be able to do ministry, so I'm going to honor the Lord no matter where I go. And so, man, I worked it as hard as I could and got to the very end, and she looked at me, and she said, I'm actually not going to buy anything. And I'm like, my first thought was, I've never had a customer actually tell me that, right? I've had a lot of time wasters, but I've never had someone look at me and say, I'm not actually going to buy anything. And she said, she said, I'm actually here because uh, new companies coming into town, opening up in Champaign, and I'm looking for a store manager. And she said, you're the best salesman I've seen in two weeks of going around talking to people. And I was like, really? And she goes, yeah. Would you interested in an interview for the store manager position? I said, yeah. She goes, great. You already did. When would you like to start? <laughs> and her name was Lisa, and she, gave, she hired me to be the store manager. Of the, I moved to the marketplace mall, moving up in the mall world. Come on now, Marketplace and Champagne. That's right. It was much better than the Decatur Mall. Nothing against Decatur. Lovely place, right? But because I chose to honor God there, I, I, I could spend my entire time tonight 
telling you stories about how putting God and the call, that, that, that pressure that dropped in here at 16 years old, that, that urgence to follow after what he's got for my life, putting that first and following after him first, he has always taken care of me. He has always blessed me. He has always provided for my family. He has always watched out for my children. He has always kept us healthy. We are a healthy family, primarily because my mom is a praying mom and prays over the entire of Philip's family, saying we're going to be a healthy family, right? I do have notes. I have just realized I haven't even opened my notes yet. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. Ready? We're going to get real encouraging. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34, don't think I came to bring peace. <laughs> I love when Jesus is like this, right? They're all expecting the lovey dovey, and he's all whoosh. He said, I didn't come to bring peace, but the sword. And I was reading that today, and the Lord said, when I came to this earth, I came to divide soul and spirit. That's what the, he said the sword does. It divides soul and spirit. He says, I wanted people to start realizing and recognizing what's kingdom and what's not. I want to divide this. He said, for I have not come to set a man against his father, or for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. What he means by that is you're denying yourself and denying your desires. He who does not deny himself and follow me is not worthy of me. What he's saying here is he's saying if you put anything above the relationship you have with me, then you're not going to have the blessing that you're looking for. You're not going to find the happiness. You're not going to have the relationship. There will be nothing produced. That's what he's saying here. He says, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. See, there are people that have looked at me and said, well, you've given up your life. You've lost your life, right? You didn't go to college. You didn't pursue after the happiness as portrayed by the world these days. You gave it all up. There's going to come point times in your life where you realize to be able to produce what God's calling you to produce, it's going to mean you have to give something up. Right? And as I've spent the last few days walking around, realizing there are people that have these masks up that are hurting on the inside, and I keep saying, Lord, what do I do? I'm praying. I want to reach out. I want to do, right? But several of them, especially at work where I've put my walls up, he's saying, you're going to have to die to something in here if you truly want to reach this person out here. Do you really love them the way I love them? Because it means your pride will have to die. Because why did that wall go up in the first place? Well, I was protecting myself because I was, I, was, I was protecting myself and I didn't want to get hurt because I'm concerned about me. Living kingdom first means we have to assume some responsibility. And there's the problem where most Christians, that's who I'm talking to tonight, right? We are Christians, called Christians, all of us right? Go ye therefore to the world and preach the gospel, right? We're going to get to that in a minute. Are you willing to take the responsibility? Because it's a choice. It's a choice. But what, what this means is I'm going to take on kingdom responsibility and let go of what I want. God will honor you when you put him first. Like I talked about, I, I, I could go all the myriad of jobs that I went through to where he blessed me and blessed me and blessed me, even in the one I'm at now. And I've talked about that many times. So I, I, I think to myself, I wonder, right? Because there's, there's times where I'm like, Lord, I really care about these people and I want to reach out to them. And, and I'm thinking, I know you walked to this earth and I know you were here. And then, and then you kind of get in one of those Christian daydream modes, right? Can you imagine what it was like to see Jesus feed 5,000 men, women, children? 
Can you imagine what it was like when they came to arrest him and his ear got cut off? He picked that ear. Have you ever seen an ear cut off? I've not seen an ear cut off, but I, I've seen, you know, can you imagine? I mean, I've watched movies and stuff and it fall to the ground. It's probably got dirt on it and junk on it. And he's all healed. And, and it's, he, can you imagine seeing this, right? Can you imagine being out in a boat and seeing someone walk on the water, Right? Can you imagine the thousands and thousands of people that he laid hands on them and they were sick and they were instantly recovered? Can you imagine walking with Jesus and you're thinking to yourself, man, if I walked with Jesus, this would be just so much easier. Well, he's calling us to walk with him now. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't mean if you were physically walking with him, it would have been any easier than now. Right? Mark 16, 9. When he rose early on the first day of the week and he appeared to Mary Magdalene, of out of whom he had cast out seven demons, she went and told those that had been with him and they mourned, as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and been seen by her, they didn't believe. I thought, okay. After that, he appeared in another room for, in, the for, in a different form for two of them and he walked out and went to the country and when they uh, took hold of the rest, but they didn't believe either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he was risen from the dead. So what happens? You have people that don't believe, the very people that walked with you, the very people that were with you, that saw the miracles, that saw this stuff. And after he was raised from the dead, came back, they were sitting there mourning and sitting in a pity party, saying, we can't do this without his physical presence here on this earth. And what was the inspiring speech that Jesus walked up and said? Go into all the world. That's what's before that scripture. See, a lot of people don't know that. They hear the go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. They don't realize it was Jesus showing up saying, get off your butt and go. Right? How many have had those moments? Mostly with maybe a kid or an employee, if you're an employer, right? You come home and you're like, what are you doing? Go, get this done now. That's, what, that's the urgency that Jesus was using when he said we need to go into this world, but it is a choice. It's your choice. It's your choice. See, you can see people the way God sees people. You can know that they're hurting, dying, and need a Savior. You can know that their life would be so much better if they made Jesus Lord. But are you going to do anything about it? Are you going to do anything about it? But see, the world has set us up from the very beginning because I remember being in high school and the social pressures, which are even, I imagine, greater today than they were back when I was in school. But I remember the social pressures of trying to fit in, right? Have the Z Cavarici pants. Those were cool pants back in the day. We talked about this. They were cool, trust me. Right? To have the Oakley sunglasses. To have the name brand clothes. And the pressure at that point in time is extremely wanting you to conform to how the world does things. Because it starts all the way back then. I'm here to tell you, it's not going to get easier when you get out of high school. See, that's what I was convinced. Well, I'll get out of high school and everything will just get easier, right? Because high school stinks and I didn't like high school and I'm just going to go to Bible school where things are just glorious and people just walk on clouds with heaven and Jesus all the time and there's no pressures and no pains and it's just great. He didn't say that being a Christian on this world was going to be that way. But he said it would be rewarding. And he said his yoke would be light, his burden would be easy if we were to just honor him and put him first and see people the way that he sees them. Are we willing to go? Are you willing to go? See, tonight, what, what he said he wants to do tonight is he is going to start placing people's names on your hearts tonight. He's not going to let anyone leave without some, a knowing on the inside of this is the person I need to be focused and praying for. Might be more than one. It might be more than one. 
It might, be, it might be an entire work department. It might be everywhere that you work at. But he says, it's time for us to go. It's time for us to do, right? We take Jesus out and we bring people in. Not necessarily, we want them to come into Living Word Church because this is a great place of discipleship where they will learn and grow in a loving environment. But we want to bring them into the kingdom and show them that the kingdom way is better. The kingdom way comes with, with joy and prosperity. See, and you can, you, you can tell them, yes, it's not necessarily easy, but I have more joy in the uneasy than I ever had joy in what the world calls easy. I have more peace in doing things the kingdom way than I ever had peace doing things the world's way. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized... James Boise said, Christ is saying that a mere intellectual assent is not enough, but there must be a union with him, a actual real change, like a vegetable becoming a pickle. I don't know why that stuck with me. I thought it was cool. I'm going to be a pickle. I'm not putting that on social media. Don't need to post it. You don't need to tell people, hey, I'm going to be a pickle. Do you want to be a pickle? That's, that's, no, it's not a method to win people to Christ. Just saying. But he's saying it's time for us to transform. It's time for us to change. To be baptized means that it's time for us to go. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. It's time for us to change so that we can change the world. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. How many say, I believe? Do you believe? How's the world supposed to know? I love what Rihanna had to say. How is the world supposed to know? It says here the world will know if these signs follow you. Do these signs follow you? In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up servants. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And you're thinking, Pastor Paul, I don't haven't seen a snake in like two years. Right? Let's go back here. These signs will follow those who believe. Say, I believe. believe. says you're going to cast out demons. You know where you should start there? With yourself. With yourself. Things that pull you away from God. That's the purpose of a demon, is they are trying to take you to hell eternally so that you not only die of your... they're, They're trying to kill your soul, your spirit, your flesh, all of it. They want you to be eternally separated from God. That's what hell is. Never to be with God again. Never to know his presence. Never to know his love. They are trying to pull you from him. What is the thing in your life trying to pull you from God and producing what he's called you to do? What is holding you back from reaching out to that person and telling them about Jesus? That's where you should start. They will know that he believes because he's cast out the demons in his own life and he's dealt with them and he's able to reach out because he's no longer held back. That's what he's talking about. See, Jesus always talked in layers. He he did mean cast out demons, but he also means a lot of other things. It's time to deal with things in our life that are pulling us away from God. What is keeping you from God? What is keeping you from doing what he's called you to do? I remember for a long time, I didn't, uh, I didn't sing in church. I remember the first time I actually started singing in front of other people was on my honeymoon, actually, when Tiffany and I drove from California to Illinois because, you know, that's romantic. You go to Illinois on your honeymoon. Oh, let's not go there. But I would, I would sing to her songs in the car. You know, Good Morning Beautiful and mostly country love songs, you know, infatuated. But I can remember someone saying, hey, do you want to you sing a special at church? And I thought to myself, I suppose I, can, I suppose I could try. Now, you're looking at me laughing because, you know, I've led, I led worship. And you're looking at me going, I don't, I, don't, I don't quite comprehend what's going on here. But when I was in seventh grade... There was a singing thing going on in a school that I was at, and I had a person walk up to me and say, hey, you know what? You're a really talented kid, and you need to focus on the talents you have. You know, not everybody's going to be a singer. I mean, I can't sing. It's fine. You're okay. Let's just focus on something you can do really well. 
And that turned into a demon that started this. You can't sing. You're, you're off key all the time. You just need to be quiet. Don't, don't do that. And all it was trying to do was prevent me from producing the kingdom. And it took a while. It took a while to deal with that, realizing that was man's voice, not God's voice. That was man trying to tell me something, not God trying to tell me something. Because God said, make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise. Sing unto the Lord. Give it your all. I'm not going out and joining American Idol tomorrow. Okay? Ben, you can go to American Idol and you can be on American Idol. I'm not going to join American Idol. But I know why God gave me this voice. It's to produce a kingdom. Right? It's why I never went out and decided to be an 80s rock drummer. I'm sure there are 80s tributes band out there that are looking for great drummers these days. But I have told many people that I know I'm a church drummer. There are times where I've been in service. I can go back and listen to the recording. I remember back when, when we had revival services going on at Farmer City, and I was drumming, and Brian was, my brother Brian was on guitar, and, and you know, we had this whole band together. And I, remember, I went back and listened to recordings going, man, I was good. I don't know that I could play that again. Till I realized when I use my gifts and talents under the anointing of what God wants me to do, I'm way better than me. I'm way better than me. And that realization of God can make me a better drummer to glorify him and to produce his kingdom, that realization sparked faith in every area of my life. If God can use my drumming and make it better to produce his kingdom, he can use my preaching and make it better to produce his kingdom. You want to hear the first sermon I ever preached? I have it on audio cassette tape. If you have a cassette tape player, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. It was, it was bad. I was trying to use all... It was bad. It was bad. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I sat back, Pastor talked recently about the lab at, at Rama when he was there about preaching and all this. And I'm like, it was not that way. When I was at Rama. I would have never made it. I think I might have got a B where I was. I would have failed back, you know, and I was like, but if God can take this and use it to produce his kingdom, then what gifts are you holding back because some thing inside of you is saying you can't when God is saying you can says you need to speak with new tongues yes you need to pray in the spirit more that's an obvious but it says you need to speak with new tongues so maybe we should change our language right see if I go to a foreign country I was in Thailand and the very first thing I learned when I was in Thailand was hong na you grab which is, where's bathroom? <laughs> right? Priorities. There's certain things when you're in a foreign country that you just need to know. And that was one of those things. The other thing I learned, the second thing I learned was my bed, which means not hot, which is when you're in a big buffet and they take you the last three dishes at the very end because you're the white guy and they say, you eat down here. <laughs> Everything else, not so good. Right? But you learn some priority things. And the longer that you're there, see, that is all I've retained. It's been years since I've been to Thailand. But the longer that you're, you're, you're there, the longer that you're operating in that country, the more of the language you pick up, right? We take Jesus out and bring people in. That's the language of Living Word Church. Are you speaking it? And beyond speaking it, are you doing it? See, we're doers of the word and not just hearers only. That's a kingdom principle. Are you doer of the word and just to hear, or just to hear only? See, there is a language when he says we speak with new tongues. He's saying it's time to change your mouth. Not only increase your prayer life and begin to pray in the spirit and speak these things out, but we need to change how we talk about ourselves. We don't call ourselves not enough. We don't call ourselves fat. We don't call ourselves ugly. We don't call ourselves unworthy. We don't call ourselves all these things because he said we're not. He said we're worthy. He said you're called chosen a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He said that I can do, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Because we speak out what he says about us, not what the world says about us. It says it's time to say some new things. Come on, we need to change our mouth. And they will know you believe. There's an outward sign of an inward change. It's one of the first things that is noticeable about a person. When they get saved and truly give themselves to Christ, what they say changes. It changes. 
they should know you by the words that are coming out of your mouth. Now, it says, take up servant, serpents. Well, the serpent in the, in, in the Bible is the devil, right? In the Old Testament, he became a serpent. But what it really means is, and, and this is this Pastor Paul interpretation of this, but this is what the Lord was speaking to me today. What, are, what is a fear in your life that you're running from? Not very many people like snakes, right? Now, I'm kind of in the same boot as Miss Lucinda. I'm not going to go out and kill any snakes, but I'm also not going to go out and hug them and snuggle them. You know, they're, I'm going to snuggle my dog. You going to snuggle a snake? Um, yeah. Really? Okay, she's braver than I. I'm not a snake person. Just not, I'm just not a fan of snakes. Miss Lucinda loves all animals, and I'm amazed by her compassion for animals. But I'm just not a snake person, just, you know, or spiders, some extra spiders. I'm okay. I don't run from them. They're whatever, you know. But it's not, a, you know, spiders have their purpose, you know. They kind of do their thing, and as long as they don't, you know, crawl in my mouth, I'm good. We have our deal. You eat the bugs and stay out of my mouth, and we'll all get along fine. But what it represents is what is that one thing you're running from? What fear is changing your behavior? COVID is a fear that is changing a lot of behaviors. It is. It changed, COVID is a fear that's changing, not all for the bad, right? I may wash your hands a whole lot more than you used to. Oh, that's not a bad thing. Right? I wash my hands a whole lot more than I used to, which is probably good. Cleanliness is next to godliness. We should stay clean. But what is that one thing that you have said out of your mouth, I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of. See, Job said that too. My greatest fears have come upon me, and he lost it all. See, there's your first indicator there's fear coming on in your life because it's going to come out your mouth. You'll hear yourself say it. Well, I'm afraid this might happen. I'm afraid the business is going to fold. I'm afraid I'm going to get fired at work. I'm afraid I'm going to end up divorced. I'm afraid my kid, you know, I, and, and I, I learned this early on too. I'm afraid my kids are going to have bad acne like I did. I had horrible acne in high school. It was, it was miserable. All over my shoulder, you know, face. And I'm sure that is the sole reason why girls were not interested in me in high school. There's no other reasons, just the acne, you know. It's amazing what your brain can tell you while you're in, you know. That's the only reason people don't like you. But I remember living and, and, and having to say, I'm not going to let this fear control me. I'm not going to let this fear deter me. I'm going to pick it up and keep going. Right? Someone who is afraid of a snake is not going to pick up said snake. But learn to realize, I need to take a hold of that fear. And I need to put it in its place. What are you afraid of? What fear is driving and motivating you? If you drink any deadly thing. I try to be as smart as possible. I try, I try to make good decisions. Try to use the mind of Christ, right? But there are times I make wrong choices and do stupid things. I know it's hard to believe, isn't it? There are times where, you know, driving in my car 90 mile an hour down the road isn't the best decision. Most of the time it is, but this particular time was not the best decision, Right? I'm telling myself, Mama, don't listen. When I was about 17 years old, I had a little, <laughs> I had a little car, um, and we would leave youth group here. This is a church story, nonetheless. We would leave youth group here and almost always go to the McDonald's in Gibson City, right? And this, and I was telling Daxel today because Daxel had an eye appointment today. I said, "Where you're going to the eye doctor was the McDonald's when I was a kid. That's where we went because they had a play center up front, and now it's an eye doctor." And he was looking at me like, "There was an eye doctor at the McDonald's." I'm like, no, no, never mind. But I also remember thinking it was always this big thing and who was the first one that was there, you know. But people in front of you wouldn't really drive fast if they thought they had a big head start. So I decided what I was going to do is the person that was three miles ahead of me between here and Melvin, I was just going to turn off all my lights and go really fast and catch up to them and get right behind them and then turn all my lights on and pass them. It was a great idea, right? Not so much. Not so much. And I had other youth group people in the car with me. And I also had a mom home praying, Lord, don't let my stupid son. <laughs> Come on now. 
What happened? I ended up going off on the gravel. The car ended up spinning around. I ended up crying out to Jesus in my moment saying, Jesus! Well, mom taught me that. When you've made a stupid choice and when things are going wrong, you better cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, have mercy on my stupidity. And he did. We spun around a few times, came to a stop, turned my headlights back on and drove 55 mile an hour all the way to Gibson with my heart racing, thinking my parents are going to kill me if they ever find out. And here I am at 45 telling you the story that I didn't want my parents to know when I was 16, 17. I don't even remember how old I was. I was in youth group. But there's going to come a point in time in your life where you realize, I have made the wrong choice. But what he says is he says, if you do something stupid, it's not going to hurt you. I will protect you. Now, if you do something in rebellion, that's a completely different story. But if you end up in the wrong place and you make a bad choice and a bad decision, he said, I'm still going to protect you because these are signs that follow those that believe. These are signs that follow those that believe. He's basically saying, don't live your life in fear. Don't live your life in fear of what might happen, what could happen. Fear will stop you from producing the kingdom. It'll prevent you. It will stop you cold. When I was in California, I was driving a milk truck. I knew tonight was going to be a heavy story night. I was driving a milk truck for Vanderpool Enterprises, hauling milk from Leprino Foods from the dairy to the food place. And milk goes seven days a week, nonstop. Cows do not stop producing milk. It's in constant. I had just emptied the load, so I was completely empty. I dropped at Leprino Foods. I was going around a town sort of like Melvin, but it doesn't slow down to 45. It was just a big sweeping curve around the outside of town. And as I'm coming around town, a gentleman pulled up to the stop sign, stopped, and then went like I wasn't there, and I hit him square between the doors, 55 mile an hour. Now, I was an EMT back here in Illinois. I got my truck safely stopped off to the side of the road, ran back, and could tell you immediately, he's not, he's not here. He's gone. Right? And at the time, you know, knowing that the whole story is, I would take forever to tell. It's a very interesting story. But I went through a traumatic experience where the devil ended up, they ended up letting me go. And blew it saying, they're saying, you know, we're, they found some other reason, but no longer driving a truck. I went back to selling cell phones and I quit driving a semi, right? And I had dealt with it. So I thought. Until God said, I want you to pack up your entire family and fly to Illinois and move all the way back there and help at Living Word Church. And I did. Right? Now remember, I do what God calls me to do. I, I go to produce the kingdom and find a job. So once I get here, I'm now I'm looking for work. When you have a CDL, and I, I, I was talking to Jonathan Meese about this recently. When you have a CDL, it's easy to find work. They are always looking for drivers everywhere you go. You can find a truck driving job in just about every community across the country. It's just easy. So I, there was someone in the church that said they were looking for a driver. And I said, okay. And he goes, we're, we're hauling corn cobs for Mike Lee. And I said, okay, I don't, I've done that before, but I know Mike Lee. You know, and he said, so I'm going to ride with you. We're going to meet right outside of Gibson City. We're going to get in the semi, and we're just going to drive up. He said, I'm going to do a run with you to make sure everything's good, and then you're on your own. I said, all right. So I get in that semi right outside of Gibson City, and I pull out on Highway 54, and I couldn't breathe couldn't breathe I felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest and that fear from that accident back in California came back with a vengeance every road I came across I thought is this you know if I see a car coming along 54 are they going to stop am I going to kill someone else and then I would start thinking that am I going to kill someone else for about three and a half hours Thank you, Jesus, that the person sitting next to me in the truck was a Christian. Because I looked at him and I said, I'm kind of dealing with something. I'll explain it later. Do you mind if I just pray? And he might have just thought I was the most spiritual person in the world, you know, because we go to church together. And he's like, man, this guy prays all the time or something. All I could do is pray in tongues. I just started praying in tongues. Because that's what I was taught at a very early age. When something's going on and you can't put words to it, you don't know what's going on, it's time to pray in tongues. And so I did. I started praying in tongues. Three and a half hours. Three and a half hours of every intersection when I saw a car, I would flinch. Three and a half hours of wondering if I'm going to die today. Three and a half hours of the worst fear you've experienced in your entire life, and then it broke just like that. And I've never dealt with it since. Gone. 
But if you allow fear to stay in your life, it will immobilize you and prevent you from producing the kingdom. See, that job was providing for family so that I could serve at church. That's its purpose. That, that's why I work. I work so I could produce the kingdom. That's how I've chose to live my entire life. I am not in this world to make a bunch of money in this world because this world is not where I'm focused because heaven is my home. And I have taken that outlook from a very early age. But when that, when that at 16 years old dropped on the inside of me, I said, Lord, whatever it takes to produce a kingdom. Fear is the number one thing that I have run across that just destroys people. It will immobilize you. If you don't take it and pick it up and deal with it immediately, it'll, it'll continue to chase you. And if that's something you're dealing with, then tonight's the night to get free of that. Tonight's the night to walk away from that fear and to not live your life in fear. Now, how does the world see us? Matthew 11:1. 1, it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in the cities. And when John heard in prison about the words of Christ, he sent two disciples to him and said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? John the Baptist knew there was a king that was coming. There was, there was the person, the one. And he sent it to him and he said, are you the one? And you know what Jesus' reply was? I am the one that you've been looking for, right? This is not the joy, never mind. No, it's not what he said. You know what he said to him? He said, go tell John the things you see and hear. He said, go tell John what you've watched because the producing of the kingdom is evidence of the king. That's what he said. He said, go tell him the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have gospel preached to him. See, he said, the blind see. God is calling us to open the spiritual blinders that are on people's lives. Spiritually and mentally blind. They cannot see truth for what it is. When you start to realize that people are blind, it makes it a whole lot easier to have compassion for them and to love on them and to tell them what God has for them. Right? We have to realize this. When I'm, when I'm at work and I'm dealing with somebody that's really hard, I have to realize they're blind. They don't see God's love. They, they don't see where they're at. They don't see what they're in. It's all they've ever known. It's all they've ever known. They don't know there's a better way. It changes how you deal with someone when you realize that. Compassion wells up on the inside and it realize, you realize, I just want to love them because they have no idea. The lame will walk. There are people that are going nowhere, that are stuck. They're stuck. There are churches that are going nowhere and stuck too. There are Christians that are going nowhere and stuck because they're lame. They don't put any actions to it because they don't realize there's power in their life because they're not producing the kingdom. They're not living God's way. They're trying to live in the kingdom while living in the world at the same time, and they only have one functioning leg. They're stuck. It says the lepers are cleansed, healed from sicknesses and diseases and things that hold them back. The deaf hear, both in talking and hearing. The dead are raised up physically and spiritually. It's time to raise up the dead. And the poor have all the money in the kingdom given to them. <laughs> I love it. It doesn't say that. It says the poor have the gospel preached to them. You know what they have? The ability to get wealth. The gospel shows them there is a better way that will take you out of the poverty from this world into the riches of the kingdom. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So here's my challenge to you tonight. We're going to spend some time worshiping. But if you're dealing with fear, it's time to come lay it at the altar. It is. It's time to come lay it at the altar because fear will stop you in your tracks from producing the kingdom. It will. It also said, blessed are those who are not offended by me. If you're holding an offense, if there's someone that you're mad at, if there's someone that is blocked your prayer life, because that's what offense will eventually do, it's time to let it go. And then God says, I have something for you to do. It's time to bring in the harvest. There are people that are hurting. There are people that need Jesus. There are people that need Jesus. There are people, that's the basic, that is the basic drive of every Christian, not just pastors and ministers, but that should be the basic drive of everyone that's here is that God changed my life. 
If God has not changed your life, he wants to. If God has changed your life, he wants to show you that there are other people he wants to change their lives too, and you're going to be the tool, you're going to be the instrument used to produce the kingdom. It's time we start changing the way we look at the world we're living in into a world where we've, we've changed and molded and tried to become like it. Instead, we, it's time to live in the world of the kingdom. It's time to produce the kingdom and to bring people in with us because the laborers are few, but the harvest is ripe. It's time to get out there and start the harvest. God said, you're not going to leave tonight without a burden on your heart for somebody that you need to reach out to, somebody that is ripe and ready. They're ready. They're ready. They're ready to see the kingdom produced through your life. They're ready to see how your words have changed. See, and if you're already living it out, they know it. They know you're different. They know you speak differently. They know you react differently. They know you're not easily offended. They know you don't deal with fear and they don't understand it. They want to chalk it up as stupidity. Why aren't you afraid of COVID-19? Well, you're just ignorant. You need to pay attention to the science. Why aren't you afraid of this or that or the other? Why don't you live in fear like the rest of us? See, they already know you're different and they can't compute why. You need to tell them why. You need to tell them why. You might be the only Jesus they ever see. So are you doing like him? When someone says, is it you? Show them. Show them. Show them. You'll know me by my works. What are you doing to produce the kingdom? Let's worship. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that Ministry at Living Word Church is possible. You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of his word.